So for me, I try to I try to like change things up. Like like I'll have a time every day where I at least try to be a little bit creative and it'll be a different project all the time. But at least for me, like I guess the routine is to set aside like a small amount of time to at least be creative generally. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it! What's up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is Leia Abukayan-Cook, and she's widely known by her artist name, Hello Leia. She's originally from Sacramento, California, but is currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia, working as a production designer for CNN Politics. Previously, she interned at her dream job at Walt Disney Imagineering, where she designed print collateral and environmental signage for Walt Disney Parks, resorts, and cruise lines. She originally studied graphic design at the Academy of Art University of San Francisco to pursue her dream of turning a hobby into a career. At the age of 11, Leia had her own business crafting purses, bags, and wallets, and you can still find her creating commission portraits made entirely out of duct tape. Yep, I said that, duct tape. Leia's versatile talent has taken her far in her creative ventures, and she's collabed with companies like MailChimp and PunkPost and continues to create many kinds of orcs of arts from digital portraits and custom doormats to murals and hand-lettered signage. Her mission is to make a positive impact on the world and inspire others with her positivity, art, and passion for design. I'm super stoked to have Leia on as a guest and have her share her journey with you because she's literally, I think, one of the most talented and creative um, artists, like all around versatile artists that I know. So I'm super excited to dive on into this episode and share her journey with you guys. All right, gang stars, I'm super, super excited for this week's guest. She is somebody who I literally think is like one of the most creative people that I know. I mean, I only virtually know her, but we're now like meeting and talking like <laughs> on, on the computer for the first time. But I've been following her literally since Tumblr days. And I, don't, I think I shared this with you, but maybe you remember or don't remember. But I've literally followed you since Tumblr days. And I remember discovering your Tumblr and you used to share all these like really cool like Disney drawings and you were just so creative and then I loved all the like pictures you did with um your dog I can't remember was it Ziggy I think oh yeah my family's dog Ziggy yeah 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 yes you should create these like cute like pictures with him and like wearing clothes and stuff like you just have this really cool um creative vibe about you and I've followed you like since then over platforms because I just loved your work and really um, admired your talent and was inspired by your talent and your career path and it's just been really cool seeing like how much you've evolved and like seeing like you achieve your dream working for Disney and things like that which we're obviously going to tap into but I just want to welcome you to the podcast and I'm just so excited to have you on girl. Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here. And it's so crazy that you've like followed me since Tumblr days. Like that's literally my my whole journey since just I making know. things for <laughs> appreciate. Not that, to make so. things creepy or weird, but I've oh, been no, not at all. You, <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate the love and support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's just start off with you um telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Leah? Where did you start? And take us on a journey, you know, where you started and where you are today. Right. Um, so I'm Leia. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Hella Leia. 
Uh, and I am a tape piece and a graphic designer. And I really, it just started like from childhood. Um, like growing up when I was younger, I always knew I wanted to do something creative. Um, and then even my mom used to tell me the story of uh, when we were younger, we used to be stationed, my family was stationed in Germany because my dad was in the Air Force. So we would go around, like we, we were able to travel Europe. Like I think I was around like three to five, like I was really young, but I was getting um, like a lot of influence by visiting all these places like the Sistine Chapel and seeing, you know, all the European artwork. Oh. Um, so when, when, yeah, when we went to visit the Sistine Chapel, like, you know, how Michelangelo and everybody paints on the ceilings. I, I guess during that time, um, I, when we went home, I asked my mom and like demanded that she let me paint Barney on the ceiling. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Barney yeah, of all things. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was a huge Barney fan when I was little. But um, yeah, since then, she always knew that I wanted to, or I was going to do something creative and be an artist. So like, since then, I always say that's where it started was just getting influence from like travel and seeing people paint like live and whatnot. So since then, it's just been, every, I try to put a little creativity in anything I do. Um, like you said on, on Tumblr, it was like maybe middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd really just like, like even like class notes would just be full of sketches, sketches, doodles, stuff like that. Um, and then that's where my duct tape art started. Um, it started with those duct tape wallets that I'm sure everybody has seen before or has made like back in the day. Um, but I saw one of those and decided to try one on my own. And when I did, I realized like the potential of what you can do with duct tape. So I, I mean, started... you took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. You took like a duct tape wallet and you just like made it like luxury almost. <laughs> oh, the first one I made was like terrible. I don't, I wish I still had it, but it was like, oh. it was just gray. It was messy, but just like seeing the potential, I started making like wallets and bags. And then in middle school, my little side hustle was doing like custom like duct tape wallets and I'd put little pictures on it and whatnot. Um, and it kind of just evolved. So like now this is like over 10 years later, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm still doing duct tape art, doing portraits, whatnot. Um, and as a graphic designer now, I'm able to use my graphic design skills and kind of incorporate that with a, with a duct tape. So it's like manual vector art almost. So yeah, mm. it, it all kind of ties like hand in hand. So like that was my journey through duct tape, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and what I love about um, you and why I was really excited to have you on is that you're somebody who, you know, a lot of creatives have so many passions. We're so good at so many different things, but mm -hmm. you're somebody that actually like is, has been pretty successful in my opinion, like doing all the great things that you're good at. So not only were you doing this like duct tape business, you know, as a side hustle throughout middle school, high school, and you still do duct tape art today, you also like had the dream of working for Disney and like following kind of more that traditional like path. Um, and you ended right. up working at Disney too. So tell us a little bit about like how you were able to, you know, land your dream job at Disney. Mm -hmm. um, so as, starting from a kid, I've always been obsessed with Disney. Um, technic <laughs> technically that's kind like slightly an inspiration of like what my career path follows. Cause yeah. um even before, even before the whole like Germany stuff before that, before I was even born, like my dad, when he, my dad was from the Philippines first. Um, and then he joined the air force to come to the United States. And one of the first things that he picked was to get stationed in Florida because he used to see all these like Disney world 
commercials and was like, uh-huh. I've never seen anything like that. So it's oh, kind of cool. just been like an influence in our family somehow. So we'd always go like every year and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, uh, since then I knew I wanted to work at Disney just because the whole creativity side, like we went every year. So it has like a lot of influence on like my childhood and whatnot growing up in California. Um, and so when I was, I believe I was also in middle school, my brother actually had an, an professional internship with Disney at Disney Consumer Products in, um, mm. where was it? I, it's not Anaheim. I think it was in Glendale, but mm-hmm. I was able to go visit. And when he gave me a tour, I met this, like, or I got to tour Disney, first of all. And I was like, I have to work That's here. Dope. This is everything. <laughs> like, I was like, literally everything. Like, I have, to, I have to be at Disney Consumer Products. And then I specifically met this one designer that worked there. I think his name was Les. I don't remember what his last name was. But he ran this, like, it was called Block 28. So Disney had a street art brand where they hired or like, oh, cool. yeah, they, they hired um, graffiti artists from around the world and they did like the Disney art and they just had mm-hmm. that small like brand, like one off from Disney consumer products. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, yep, that's it. I decided like from middle school <laughs> that when people used to ask me what I wanted to be, I'd specifically have like the address of the building where consumer <laughs> products was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just knew um, that's what I wanted to do. So I took up graphic design. Um, Initially, I actually took up industrial design because it was consumer products. So I wanted to be more Mm -hmm. in like in depth of what um, the products that I, you know, could be made for Disney. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went to Academy of Art um, University in San Francisco, um, studied industrial design, um, but realized that although I love like making and you know, building things like wood shop and all those things. I really hate math. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm more of an artist and not a math person. So I was like, this right. is not for me. Right. So I switched to graphic design um, and then ended up finishing with my um, associate's degree in graphic design. Um, after I finished with school, I worked for Disney Con- or Disney college program for a couple of years. So I actually worked in the park oh, at cool. Disney world in Florida. Um, so we really like started from the bottom at Disney, like working in the park. Um, and then amazing. after, yeah, after I did, I worked at, um, Dinosaur the Ride in Animal Kingdom, which was like super cool. It gave me a different perspective on the company. Um, and then when, when you're in the college program, you actually are able to take classes. So there was like a creativity class you can take, um, mm-hmm. where you can kind of sit through a panel of like people like higher ups who work or design in Disney. So I met actually one guy who worked in Disney Imagineering and he I was like so inspired again um, (laughs) knowing for sure like this is the right path Um, so after I finished the the college program I scored a position at um, Disney professional internships for Walt Disney Imagineering where I got to design for parks resorts and cruise lines Um, yeah so I was an intern for I I think technically it was supposed to be six months but I kept extending so I I think I was there for like almost a year um it was literally the best like the best job hands down like best manager everything everybody was so creative and like worked together in such a good like it was just a, such a cool space um and some of my favorite projects were like I got to design things that actually went into the park for event like festivals and menus things that you could still see oh, at cool. the parks yeah so like when I went when I went to go visit last time in um, Disney Springs, there's a shop called the Ganachery where they just make like 
chocolate shop. It's a, basically a chocolate shop, but mm-hmm. all the all the typography pieces on the walls and even like their signature um, mug that they sell, like those were things that I worked on as an intern, which was really cool. So um, I feel like since then, it's like I, that was the the goal that I had set for myself all these years and I already mm-hmm. achieved it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So now it's just like figuring out like I don't currently work at Disney anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm like on to bigger things where I'm like able to craft and do like my own thing, trying to trying to figure out like a balance between my day job and doing what I love, just like passion projects. So yeah, yeah, no, it's been that. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to touch on. I think it's really cool and inspiring because it goes to show like you you may or may have not intentionally did this, but it was just like you knew what you wanted, like you figured out what you wanted to do by like putting that effort out there and actually like reverse engineering like how to get to where you want to be like thankfully your brother kind of introduced you and kind of put your first foot in the door so to speak and you got to see like kind of what you wanted to do in Disney and then like from that point forward you basically did everything that you could to get yourself into Mm -hmm. the door fully when you know you were old enough and the fact that you were able to you know still keep those connections also get into like the college program which I'm sure is a lot of people's dream I don't know how hard it is to get into that but still like that's pretty awesome and then having that experience and while you were there you can obviously hear from what you were sharing like you were picking up and learning like how things were working like in all the different departments and like how they did stuff like we're in the department that you were working at and even to land an internship after the fact, like getting that experience and working for Disney and now being able to still see like the work that you designed in the park. Like that's really freaking awesome that you're able to accomplish that. Thanks. So I just want to give you some huge kudos for that because <laughs> there's people that don't know how to figure that out. You know, that mm-hmm. still might be somebody's dream that who's listening right now. And it's just like, you know, you set the goal for yourself and you put in the work and you made the connections and you like, you did the damn thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you really just have to go for it. Like any, any connections or like even starting from the bottom in the company that you want to work at, like it's possible to get up there if you really strive for it. Yeah. And I love that too, how you're just kind of like open to whatever, like they could give you because at the end of the day, you knew that that was like your way in and you can learn from that and grow from that. And you didn't Mm -hmm. look at that like, oh, like I want to, if I'm going to work for Disney, like I need to just get like the ultimate job. But you were like, no, like I want to work at the park. I'm going to learn, you know, I'm going to start from the bottom. Uh (laughs) Um, And then when you get a different perspective also of like all the parts of it. So when you do get to the place you want to be, in a company or wherever you want to be, you have like way more, you know, value from different perspectives. So. Absolutely. So I'm curious, um, were you, did you experience something that made you not want to continue your path to Disney? Did you feel like, okay, I, I got my, like, I scratched my Disney itch, but this isn't it for me. I want to expand something different to something different or did Disney just not work out? Um, or did you like see the opportunity? Cause now you work at CNN, which is pretty awesome too. Um, and you were just like, I want to go try that. And I think that's my next step. So what was kind of like your thoughts or what was happening during that transition? Um, for me, it was, so after the college program, it was, it was a whole thing. So, um, when I was in the college program, my best friend from college, uh, that we met at Academy of Art, he came to visit me and then we were like strictly just friends. We never liked each other, anything more than that, but we ended up like dating and 
getting mm-hmm. married. <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's your now husband. How cool. Yeah. So my husband, David, now, um, he was in the military or he's still in the military, but, um, back then it was just like a whole, during the time where I had the professional internship, which was in Orlando, Florida, we were already mm-hmm. married and had just moved to our first place together in, um, Fort Stewart, Georgia. So I was mm. technically like living out of a hotel during my internship. Um, oh, and wow. then on, on weekends, I would drive like four hours to go, to go back and forth. Or if he had leave, he would come to Florida. Um, so it was like long distance, like when we were like <laughs> newlyweds. So, wow. Yeah. So it was crazy. And then the other crazy part was um, the couple, I think it was like a month into my internship because I was like by myself over there. He like surprised me with a puppy. So it was like me and a puppy in a, in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was really just like a life changing life like, thing. I, right, because I'm here at my dream job, but it's like incomplete because I'm not at home, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a a choice I, between the two. So and it, it's not that I like left Disney, but I feel like I had already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I was I already had like new goals by then. So gotcha. so now it's just okay. yeah, it was just kind of figuring out like. I think there's more opportunity. Like I don't have to live as much as I like Disney. I wasn't mm-hmm. like a hundred percent wanting to live in Orlando. <laughs> so yeah. So it's, it was a lot of things that went into it, but I'm happy no, with the, the path that yeah. we're, yeah. So it's cool too. Cause I mean, even though you had to make that pivot and you know, when, when it comes to marriage and being with your significant other, you have to make sacrifices and you got to You become one and you have right. to create a plan together and do it, you know, what works and mm-hmm. you still like, you know, figured it out. And then you landed a job at CNN, which that, I don't know if you love it there or if you, I don't know if you can even share that on here, <laughs> or not, but it's just like, that's still like a dream job for a graphic designer, you know, to get, a graphic design job um, at a big corporate company like CNN. Um, so mm-hmm. was there any sort of strategy into landing that job after li- uh, leaving Disney or did your resume kind of speak for itself in your portfolio where you felt like it was just easy to get into the door there? Um, the, the story with CNN for me is actually crazy because when I had interviewed and fill out the application, I didn't mm-hmm. even know it was for CNN. <laughs> what (laughs) yeah so during this so during this little it was like a whole transition phase so my husband had actually switched from because he was an infantryman which is like like front of the line you know like soldiers um Mm. he had switched from active duty to a reserve soldier doing combat camera um because I mean he went to art school for like we met in art school and he does um videography and like editing so that was more in the realm of what he did. So he switched to reserve so that we can live more in a city where I can also work, you know. Mm. Um, that way, it was another sacrifice that he made so that we can both do what we want to do. Um, right. So during our time, he he had like a window of when he can like leave, or I don't know exactly what the term is, but like a window of when he can go to like another duty station or be somewhere um Mm -hmm. so basically I we were looking into moving back to California or just other places in general um Mm -hmm. because we were just very open to move at this time so I was applying like everywhere whatever I found um I actually had interviewed in San Francisco for Jimboree like the kids brand yeah um and so I flew out there I literally had an interview the same day 
at Jamboree. And as soon as I finished that interview and the interview went well, like they were great. It was, I, I love San Francisco also. Um, as soon as I finished that interview, I got a phone call where another company was like, um, well, the, the company that you applied for, it was, it was through a con, uh, what is it called? Like a a contracting. Yeah. It was like a contracting company. So it was a, mm-hmm. a short-term contract, but could lead to full-time. So when gotcha. you apply for a contracting position, it says everything that they need, but it, they don't tell you what the biz or what the business or main company is oh. for until you get it. So when they called me, they're like, yeah, we want you to interview like this weekend. It was, it was like a few more days from, from the day I got the call. Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, it's for CNN in Atlanta. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just finished the interview in San Francisco. Like I have to go fly there like tonight to go make the interview. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. So um, I was with my mom and my mom like booked a flight the same, like we were still sitting at a cafe across the street from the Jamboree interview. (laughs) And she booked a flight for me to go to Atlanta the next day. And I did the CNN interview, but the team was like so cool. And like down to earth and just learning about the company, like Warner media, um, like the bigger company over, over CNN, um, which also they run like Cartoon Network and Adult Swim mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I was like, um, this seems really cool. And also, since we were in Fort Stewart, Georgia, it was an easier move for us at the time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So after that happened, I just had a better feeling about my meeting with CNN versus the one I had with Jim Bree. Like it just seemed like it worked, you know, like our personalities yeah. kind of clicked. So I went with CNN and I've been there ever since. It's been like, almost it probably has been four years now um oh, wow. and yeah so I'm just like growing and every time I do a project with them it's like always something that I had no idea about like when I got hired it was technically for the politics app one mm-hmm. I know nothing about uh, nothing about politics I never worked <laughs> on mobile apps before <laughs> yeah because because my focus was like product design right so yeah for for me to be on yeah yeah, print stuff like getting your hands you know your hands on something like malleable but to be on an app about politics I was like I have no idea but they really like worked with me and helped me to teach me about everything that I was working on so now I'm just like growing with them (laughs) that's so awesome Uh what talk about like counting your blessings like just all those signs and everything working out and, you know, ending up back in Georgia where mm-hmm. you were living and just working out for you. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. so crazy to see how it all like ended up because it was like a hectic time. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going with it. Like whatever felt right. Oh, that's where we we're going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So uh-huh. now you're at this point where you're working at CNN, you are still you still have all these side hustles where you know you still have your you do digital arts which um like portraits and stuff which I actually have the honor of um <laughs> by her uh, that I got done recently this year for my husband's birthday which he absolutely loved um so you do stuff like that you have you still do duct tape art you also are painting like doormats like you're just always doing creative <laughs> stuff you've been doing some murals too um Mm -hmm. over there which is pretty awesome so where do you see like your journey taking you like do you like to have the balance of like you know having that security of having an awesome like nine to five working for CNN and having like your side hustles or do you see yourself wanting to take your creative business or one of those and like focus on that and eventually do that full-time um that's a good question because I feel like 
I've been hearing that question asked a lot lately just because I have like so many like avenues of creativity that I want to do and it's kind of hard for me to balance um which is another reason why it's like hard I can't I don't want to just label myself as like duct tape artist and graphic designer it's like I want to do all the things like everything (laughs) um but I think for me like the more I think about it I like having the consistency of a nine to five and like somebody giving me something to work on almost to like hone my craft and work on something that I wouldn't ordinarily work on um Mm -hmm. it's like something that also is like a good exercise for your brain to like not always just work on things that are like fun cute and like you know something like that Mm -hmm. um but it's also a good company which I love and they allow for me to be creative um so I think for me the the what I'm trying to figure out right now like I'm also in a transitional phase of Mm -hmm. figuring out like how to balance the two because there's so much more that I want to do like on a personal project side like you said I just started doing like a couple murals um in the city Mm -hmm. and I'm not really a painter like the first mural I did was like the first painting I did in years Um, oh man well it looks awesome so so, um it's like I just I just want to do more and I feel like there's so much potential of like just trying new things and new like being creative in whatever you do um Mm -hmm. so just finding a balance between like doing a nine to five because it is like a I I have no complaints about it and it's like, you know, consistent. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really just trying to find a balance of like how I can hone in on both um, Mm. and, and try to do more and not just get stuck on like people want doormats this day or like I'm only doing graphics. Like I, I like the balance of changing it up. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Cause my husband and I actually just purchased a house also. So yeah, you've been like, (laughs) remodeling it and like doing lots mm-hmm. of cool stuff if you follow, follow her on instagram guys and like you can see all the cool <laughs> stuff she's doing like literally she's so creative and talented and like does all the things and that kind of leads me to my next question of like i know you're still like figuring out like where you want to take it and obviously you're this awesome sweet spot of like having that stability and having an awesome job that you love a nine to five that you actually love because a lot of people don't love their nine to fives but then mm-hmm. also like having like you know more income coming in from your other creative businesses how do you Mm -hmm. how do you balance all of that creative work that you do because like even when I like see some of your stuff like I know you have your nine to five working at CNN and that can be a lot of work but then like somehow you still muster up the creativity and energy to like work on a commission or like bust out like a bunch of like painted doormats or like so how do you have a lot of creative burnout is there a thing a method to your madness of like being able to balance out your creative energy so I'm sure a lot of people listening like they, that's something that a lot of creatives do go through and you're somebody I feel like who somehow has mastered that because you're always creating and all of the creations that you do is like freaking awesome so Thanks. what does that look like for you you're welcome um I do burn out sometimes <laughs> like every couple like you know how like when it rains it pours like you'll you'll be doing no no free projects like nothing will be coming in some days it'll be slow at work whatever you'll have all this time and then when projects start coming in it's like all at once like you'll have like five million things you have to do and it's hard to (laughs) to think about like which one is going to take priority and like how can I sit and um like brainstorm on all these projects at the same time because you're kind of like thinking up like concepts on everything Mm -hmm. you know so for me I feel like 
I just try to focus on one at a time. Um, mm -hmm. Even when there's a lot to go through, I make a lot of lists. Lists are like what keeps mm. me in check. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, I'm going to forget like half of the things I have to do. But yeah. um, I think that's also why I like um, playing with different mediums. Like how you said, we're like starting to do like home renovation stuff. And then sometimes I'll, I'll post like a duct tape piece here and there. Um, changing a project for me is like clearing my mind. So mm. instead of getting stuck on one project, um, like thinking about all these things I have to do, I'll just like hone in on one and knock it out and like try not to prolong the project and be let it be like a week. Like if I could hone in on one and finish it in like an hour or a couple days, um, that just knocks gotcha. one thing out of the way, you know? So, mm -hmm. and and for me, like switching up projects is just what keeps me like, kind of you're pushing over the 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 barrier of like I'm kind of overwhelmed you know mm -hmm. so it's like changing it up like doing a different activity kind of is what just keeps me going <laughs> gotcha so uh -huh. just doing the work sounds like creating lists um and not letting things drag out because I think even like for me sometimes I find myself in that where it's like, if I don't have the list, then I will drag things out because I don't, I'm not looking at all the things I need to do. But then having the right. list, it's like, okay, this is what I can do. I know this will mm -hmm. take me like whatever amount of time. So I'm just going to knock this out. And then like, if I need that creative break, I'll like switch between projects. Um, so that's, that's good insight sharing that. Hey gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, exactly. Like switching between. And I think we're visual also. So like we have to physically mm -hmm. see a list of the things we have to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Do you ever feel like, um, do you feel like it's ever been too much like often or do you just feel like everything has been pretty figure outable for you? Cause I don't know some I've hear a lot of creatives that say like I don't have the time to do stuff um like I have creative burnout like I was saying but then like I look at you and like one you have the nine to five two you have like commissions like people paying you for all your creative things three like on top of the stuff that people are hiring you to do you also like just do stuff on your own time like stuff that you want to do mm -hmm. just for fun and to like practice out things um and I'm just curious. Oh, and then also like you're married and you have a dog, like you have a life, you know, like balancing. <laughs> like people always say mm -hmm. like it's, they don't have the time to balance at all. Um, is there any like one tip or few tips that you could share to the listeners that feels like they're in that position where it's like they want to do it all too, but it's just not working out for them? Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, burnout is a big thing. Like I can also be overwhelmed by like all the things all at once, you know, life, work, like side hustle work um mm -hmm. but I think you always have to make time for something that makes you happy or something mm -hmm. that gets your mind off what you're currently doing because it's like even if I have a passion project something that I'm doing for fun it, be, it can become work 
you know? Mm-hmm. So it no yep. longer is fun. It's just something that I have to do, like adding more things to my list of things I have to do. So I feel like you mm-hmm. have to set aside time or even just like a little bit, like I'll cook, I'll work out, I'll go, you know, hang out with my husband, something small, like play with the dog, just get your mind off it, like at least a couple times a day. Mm. Um, so good. for me, it's just like anything, like if there's something that you enjoy, that's not like, it doesn't have to be creative related, just anything else you enjoy, go do that for a little bit and don't worry about your work because it'll help you in the long run to finish your work. No, I totally agree with that. And that's kind of like where that balance come from, comes from, even though it might eat at you while you're doing something else. Like, ah, I got this thing. It's just like, focus your time on that, you know, other thing that has nothing to do with your work. And then your work will be waiting for you. And then you just go do the work, right. knock it out. You'll mm-hmm. probably knock it out faster than if you were to have just stayed, you know, working on that thing, like frustrated yeah. and pulling your hair out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm sure, you know, like when you, when you're burnt out or like overwhelmed with one project sometimes you just you're not even working on it you're just like sitting around it yeah (laughs) yeah so I was like whenever I get to that point where I'm just literally looking at what I'm working on and not actually doing anything I'll like (laughs) sometimes I'll like FaceTime my family back because all my family's in California I'll like FaceTime my Mm. nieces and nephews and like you know it's like a reset yeah absolutely Mm. how do you get your um your clients and projects that you get do people just like is it just people who follow you and it's like word of mouth or do you do any active like marketing or promotions or releases or anything, any strategy to that? Um, for me, it's all just, it's mostly just people who follow me on Instagram. Like if people want work or a lot of times it is word of mouth. Um, like I, I did a logo and branding for a, um, company in, I'm like blanking out. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. For a company in San Diego, um, Mm. they did like, it was like a marijuana clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, but they basically, it was like word of mouth because they told all of their other friends and like businesses that were coming up, um, about like that I did their logo. So I was able to do like six different companies in the area that all oh, kind wow. of like work together. Yeah. So that's kind of just how I never advertise really. Um, cause I feel like I, there's enough projects where it's like, I'm not striving to look for work. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's another thing um, to answer the question before, like how not to burn out is you have to be able to say no to projects that you don't want to do. Um, mm. So another thing was like a lot of people ask for like a bunch of illustrations or there'll be branding projects and things that'll come up. And like, as much as I want to do them, I know that it'll be too much. Like I'll, I'll get like burnt out if I take them all on and just have like these clients that are just waiting to get work done. So yeah. you have to, yeah, you have to be able to say no, um, to clients and say yes to the ones that you like really are more passionate about and want to work on. So I'm like pretty picky with like what I pick and choose just so that I, my, my plate can be like manageable. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. love that. And I think that's, um, really good that you're in that position, you know, to say no too. Um, because I think like creatives, are mostly like people pleasers or mm-hmm. you know they want to take on everything because they're so excited but then you got to do you know what's best for you and you kind of learn as you get more projects like oh like this isn't the kind of project I want to do or this isn't the type of client I want to work with or, right I know what my limit is and I got to say no but you know that's when mm-hmm. you can create like a wait list or like a backlist like you know mm-hmm. you don't have to lose that customer sale 
per se. Yeah, of course. Hey, I'm, you know, booked right now, but like, let's circle back in a couple months. Does that work Mm -hmm. for you? And they can just be like, yeah, and you can still, you know, get, keep that client or keep that project going just right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like, not at the moment. Cause, um, there's actually one artist that I follow. I actually met at designer con in, um, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think her, what was it? Miss Winden, I think she does. She does like typography, but she recently oh, cool. had a story on her Instagram where she went over like all the, the, the things that she learned along the way, um, in mm-hmm. her contracts and working with clients and like how to balance your time, kind of like how we're talking about now. And I learned so much from that video. Like I've been, I just recently, like I should have had my contract set out like this whole time. And like you said, um, a lot of times artists are people pleasers and they're always just like, yes, like I can draw all these things, you know? Um, yeah. You can have as so, many revisions as you want. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was like a- along the way, like I learned that the hard way because I feel like I was undercharging and just doing extra work and like, you know, yeah. you just want, you just want to make something nice and make people happy, but it mm-hmm. doesn't work. It doesn't always work like that. So I feel like when I was watching her video, as she was going over the things that she like learned along the way, I was like, that's exactly how that needs to be. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I, I love that. You know, it's all the create. That's why I love having this podcast because everybody's journey is different and you learn mm-hmm. a lot of the things you learn as you go, but, and a lot of the things isn't out there. So that's why I love bringing on people like yourself and other um, amazing creatives who like share their how to's and strategies and kind of having this place for creatives to learn those exact how-tos, you know, where you need to have a contract or you should be charging more, this and that, and all the things that you kind of brought up that you thought was valuable from the person that you were following. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're obviously at the point too, where it's just like, even when you have that um, amount of volume of work coming to you, it's like, okay, this is like a really good time also to increase your prices, or maybe I should be charging more because people, right. too, too many people are like saying yes to whatever I'm charging. Is mm-hmm. there like a method that you use for pricing your services or one that you can um, share to help any creative that's listening, that's having trouble um, with pricing? Um, I'm honestly in the same boat of trying to figure out my pricing and how that works. Mm -hmm. That's always something that's difficult for, I feel like any artist or like Mm -hmm. visual is like, how do I price stuff? Because everybody's price point is different and you don't want to like overcharge anybody, but you don't want to undervalue your own work. So I feel like for me, I kind of just go with my gut on like, Mm -hmm. if, if you're working with a bigger company, you know, or if it's something that you like and you want to work on, maybe you're willing to to do the work for a little bit less for like a startup that you're really passionate about versus like a company that you know has a larger budget that can, you know, accommodate your, whatever you're working on or like the amount or amount of um, like revisions you're going to give. It all kind of depends on like what, what you are willing to give for your services. Um, I usually just have like a base price or depending on like what it is, like if it's a mural, maybe it's by square footage Mm -hmm. or maybe it'll be by hour or, you know, flat rate. There's so many ways to do it. And I feel like it just depends project by project. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of hard. Like I, I want to have a flat rate, but depending on the work that comes in, every work is different, you know? So it kind of depends Mm -hmm. on the the difficulty, how long it's going to take you. Um, Yeah. It's all, it's all like personal, but I always think like, don't undervalue your skill. And Absolutely. Like, yeah. So don't and don't like, just do it for free either, because then you're doing right. a service to like all creatives. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like your your price point is set to your skill, not your client's budget. Mm. 
Yeah, which I saw, I, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but I saw a typography piece of that today, something like that, where it was like, yeah. their, their price point was about their skill level and not your client's budget. I think it was mm-hmm. by at Clea George on Instagram. Um, mm. But yeah, that when I saw it, I was like, exactly, amen. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sometimes, you know, the client's budget it can actually be flexible. So if for some reason you value yourself higher than whatever their budget is, they might be able to, you know, take money out of their marketing budget to put towards whatever the art or, you know, creative Mm -hmm. budget is for whatever the project is. So yeah, it kind of varied between different projects, but I also think it's important to like at the very minimum, like have a minimum rate, like you said, like a base rate, like no matter what, like I can't work for less than this because then I'm not like, it's right. not worth my time, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm not like actually when you take away, you know, the time that it takes and the gas, if you're doing like a mural going back and forth mm-hmm. or like the supplies or et cetera, it's like, I need to make at least this on this. And like, at least if you have that, I think that's like a great, you know, starting point. And then from there, depending on the project, you can add in all the other, you know, circumstances to what yeah. goes into it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What has it been like getting the attention and like shares for all the artwork that you've been creating um, around like all the injustices that's been going on? You've had people like Snoop Dogg share your stuff and a lot of like influencers and celebrities, which is cool. You've also seen like the downfall of like the virality of artwork where people, other Mm -hmm. people are putting it on like t-shirts and stuff. And you're like, no, I didn't license that out to you. So what has that... (laughs) I mean, what has that been like having that type of, you know, attention and having that virality of your artwork in these past few weeks? It's been a trip, really. Like, it's it's still surreal to me that one drawing that I did. So I, I drew an illustration of Vanessa Gillen and Breonna Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it was just something that I just, I wanted to put out there. I put it on my page and within like a couple minutes I like logged back in and I was like wait what like my my it's like my page was blowing up and I was like <laughs> what's happening like there's a glitch or something <laughs> there's a glitch um, yeah there's a glitch and then people started messaging like people that I haven't talked to in a long time they're like yeah like my my mom posted it or like I saw it on Snoop Dogg's page or like you know like all these celebrities like Nelly, Lil John. <laughs> yeah it, it just it tripped me out but the, like I appreciated that of all things to go viral it was something that had a call to action mm-hmm. and like awareness but mm-hmm. with with that came with like the downfall of like I was getting like crazy racist like messages and comments and everybody uh, was like arguing on my page and like, yeah I saw some of that just, yeah like, the- it was a lot where I was like this is not like it's the art page I just I just drew a picture <laughs> like can you take that somewhere else please <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I literally like, you know, occasionally if somebody had like a negative comment, but it was just where it was like a question, maybe I would answer it. Like the first couple of times I'd answer. And then after that, I just left it alone. And like everybody in the comments were just going at each other, how any political or like, you know, yeah, social people are doing the work for you. <laughs> right. So I would just let it go. But then at, at the same time, like as an artist, aside from it being like a social piece, um I started finding my work like being sold on different on different platforms like people were selling it on shirts and masks and like mm. I never gave anyone permission to use my work and that's where it kind of got like the gray area <laughs> was yeah. like when the internet takes something it just takes it and runs 
So yeah. Right. And then some of them is like, they try to take my tag out and stuff where I'm like, I I'm, (laughs) I'm not mad at people asking to use my work to print where I, most of the time I said, yes, if it's for personal use, you know, if they're wearing Mm -hmm. it to protests or, you know, for family and friends, whatever, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't care because because of the specific piece, like I'm not trying to make money off me drawing two women that were like wrongly, you know, murdered. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, people shouldn't be trying to make money off that either. So I like some, some of those sites like, like Redbubble, which has happened once before I was able to take my work down. Um, and from another on like Shopify, I was able to take my work down, but like for the most part, it's like the internet just takes it and runs, but I did get, yeah, I got some um, advice from like other artists who've had that happen to them. And they just suggest like, if you have a piece like that, that's getting a lot of attention to right away, like copyright it. And then you can send yeah. like cease and desist. Um, yeah, that's what I was telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had messaged me also. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, that's really helpful because I literally had no idea. I would just like for for during that time when it was going viral, like for the next three days, I was like, I don't even want to look at Instagram or my phone. And, and yeah, for a little so bit, I was like, right. For a little bit, I kind of was like, I kind of regret drawing. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, oh, I, I man. yeah, I took the positive perspective of it. And like, at least I, you know, was able to influence. And like, I like that some people were messaging, like asking for, oh, can I have the link to the petitions and stuff like that? Yeah. So, yeah. Not so sure. it was like, yeah. it did more it good. Was, <laughs> right, right. That's why I was like, it was nice to be able to feel like the art that I made was actually helping in some way, other than just, you know, something that looks nice, makes people happy. But like this one was like helping. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's awesome when you can able, you're able to use your craft and talent to do something like that and mm-hmm. share a message and spread something that, you know, is positive. Um, and I think touching on too, like, if something like that happens to you, you know, as a creative, like you always think, cause your artwork is like automatically copyrighted. Like most creatives know, like when you create something, like it's kind of like automatically copyrighted, but at the same time you have to, if it's something that has like virality potential or like, you know, it's something that's going to be out there. If you just want to be safe, it won't stand up in court unless you actually filed an actual copyright. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I learned at like an artist conference that I went to um, like a year or two ago. And I was like, oh snap, I didn't know you had to like actually, because you get told like, you know, it's automatically copyrighted because you created it. But like in, in, um, in court if you actually have to take someone to court because it's like a big corporation using your artwork if you don't have like that actual filed copyright then you're kind of like sol because there's not like that you know definite proof i mean i don't know all Mm -hmm. the logistics but that was like the summary of it and literally you just kind of go on the website um and i think it's like 30 to 50 bucks it's not even expensive to copyright your artwork um and then that way you'll have that and you can really like Mm -hmm. you know get your justice for whatever your work is. And then I, I was telling Leia that like, if you just send, when this happens, it's also good to just send those cease and desist emails and letters, even if you don't have the copyright. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of times that scares people enough to be like, oh shit, like I don't want to take this any further. Uh, let me right. take this down before this has the potential of getting serious. Um, so if that has ever happened to anybody that's listening, like those are like the main precautions to take, like always copyright your artwork if you can. And then if someone does steal it, like just send them that cease and desist letter mm-hmm. and see what happens. And, and then also just for potential work. Of like that's what work yeah, right. Or like working with clients also, like always make sure you have a contract as well, just to 
you know, even as artists, we have to like watch our, yes. watch our own back. Yeah. So, which I had no idea either. Absolutely. I, was like, I, I always thought that once we draw it, it's like copyrighted, but like you said, it's, me too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. That's stuff that we don't, we just want to draw. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and like, you know, have people respect it like they should. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But. No, we got to do all the business and legality stuff too. So mm-hmm. it's good like when people like yourself share that um, myself mm-hmm. and other people it's like no artists you got to do this stuff too you got you to right. take care of your business too yeah it's a learning um, curve <laughs> it is it is you also um what I love on top of all the things that you do already girl like <laughs> you also have an Airbnb which I thought was really cool because you know the being a gangstar creative is all about thriving in your business and life. And I mm-hmm. love that, you know, you, you do have this amazing job at CNN. You also are thriving in your side hustles and your creative businesses. And then also you're, you know, you're adding to your streams of income by having an Airbnb. I'm interested to know like how you got into that. What made you interested in that? Do you plan on expanding your portfolio um, into more Airbnbs? Like what was the story behind that? So First, I got introduced to Airbnb because my brother um, was the head, like, pr- or head designer for um, presentations for Airbnb. Um, oh, cool! So yeah, so I mean, I got to like tour tour the headquarters and everything in San Francisco. They're great, like, great company. Um, but it's actually, I would give all the credit to our hosting experience to my husband. He has mm-hmm. always like, I feel like he his like childhood dream was to like flip homes or like do real estate you know, yeah in. like real like invest into into the housing market um mm-hmm. which I think is really cool because that's something that I had never thought about before um mm-hmm. and as we actually had our first Airbnb the first place that we lived in um when we moved to Atlanta we had a townhouse that we were um we were renting and it had a second bedroom that we weren't using so he decided we should maybe rent it out like only on weekends when we're home so we kind of mm-hmm. just tested it out. Um, and then oh, since cool. I, yeah. And then since I enjoy like home decorating anyway, I was like, oh, this can be like a fun side project. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So we used to rent out our, the house or, or the room in, in the townhouse that we used to rent. Um, and then after we moved out of there, we actually found, it was an apartment complex that was like privately owned, but they, they actually partnered with Airbnb. So they, want their tenants Mm -hmm. they like yeah it's like kind of weird because most apartments don't want you to airbnb but that one specifically is like almost everybody who is renting that place is a host which is Mm -hmm. really cool um it is cool yeah so we kind of looked up by finding them when they first opened so we've had that place for a couple years now i want to say um and it's i mean it's been great it's just something that the airbnb is located between my work and my husband's work so even if we have like quick turnarounds, we'll we're able to like go there at lunch and clean and like, you know, do whatever. It's self check in, so it's something that's like feasible for both of us in our schedules, mm-hmm. um, to just have like a side hustle and you know, it's like a little side project. And it also feels nice to be a host, you know, have somebody yeah. enjoy the city while they're staying in your place and like the comments you get after that they like love your place and all this stuff is is really nice. So. That's cool. Do you guys mm-hmm. like plan on expanding your Airbnb portfolio at all and in, like having more um, places or just do you like the one that's good for you? 
Um, maybe in the future, like if it's possible yeah. that that we'd be able to like like somehow if we were able to get like a second home or something, like I feel like we would have another Airbnb. It's just like a fun oh. side hustle. Yeah. I was gonna say and it's something like fun that like me and my husband kind of do together. Cause since like oh, my nice. whole thing is like art, it's like both of us kind of like this is our Airbnb thing that we do. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. I love that. Um, you know, as creatives and you know as a couple it's like you can do other things and be smart with your money and like you know invest real estate is a Mm -hmm. great place to create passive income and um, have another stream of income and do something still like you can still be creative because it's Airbnb and you get to decorate and like you know put your Mm -hmm. own your touches on it and um, make that you know that income from that property um, and do something together that you love with your husband as well. So I think that's really cool to have that. And I think that's something that um, more creative should think about is like how, of course you have like your, your art stuff, but there's also other areas of opportunity mm-hmm. for you to, you know, be more financially stable or, you know, have put your money that you're making from your art business into other really good investments for you. Um, so I thought that was really cool um, and dope that you guys got into that. Cause we have a lot of friends that teach people how to um, get into the Airbnb business and like how to get Airbnb um, rentals without actually owning property and like doing all these things. So just when I saw that you had that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like she's an artist and creative <laughs> and she's like investing in real estate. Like you go girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're trying our best over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, what would you say was like one of your biggest mistakes that you made in like your creative business and how did you grow from it? Mm, I think, I think like kind of like what we spoke about before is like just under underestimating or like the value of how much I charge people and saying yes mm. to every project was gotcha. my mistake. Um, yeah, because saying yes to every project is like one, you have way too many things to do all at once. So being able to handle and manage and balance your time is just like not the best. And also just working with like everybody has has had client stories where like it's like it just doesn't work out. Like it's not a good relationship. You're you're um you know kind of like a bad client. Like it's not the best to work. Is there one that stands out for you? Like is there one like story or moment that stands out for you that you felt like you grew the most from? Yeah, it's more like a collection, like little bits from like specific here and there clients, like. Like, I don't want to share anything specific, but I was like, there are times where, I, or there was a couple of times where they would just ask for too many iterations where I had to just be like, I, like this one was supposed to be a quick turnaround project because they were trying to rush it in the beginning. And mm-hmm. I just had to be like, well, they're, they were using up like too much time and too many, too much um, revisions where I, w- I had to like mm. drop, drop the client because it wasn't worth my, you know, the time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. oh, like stuff like that. Not right. <laughs> Exactly. And and then before I like, I didn't use a contract. I was new. I didn't know. So now I'm relearning all of this. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. I mean, that's part of the journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And then even like, I'm sure there's some people who are listening, like hearing about firing clients, like, wait, you have to fire clients, you know, it's like something you don't really think about. Uh And like that, like if it's not a good fit, like nothing is worth like your, like mental health and like you crying over a client or like you know all the crazy things that can happen like nobody is worth that and if you have to like totally fire the client um you'll be 
wondering why you didn't do it sooner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just have to do it sometimes. Cause it like, like how they're using your service, you're like trying to help them, but if they don't want to be helped or it's like, it's just not working out, it's just, it's, it's you're just going to prolong it. <laughs> exactly. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, what do you feel like would be, um, like, how do you think we as a creative community can annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? So that's like one of my goals, like with this podcast and the gangster mm-hmm. creative brand is like annihilating the status quo of the starving artist, like helping creatives thrive in their business and life. And so how do you think we as a creative community can annihilate that status quo? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I feel like artists need to help and build each other up somehow like if there's Mm -hmm. potential for for like collaborations or art shows and things like that like like out here there's there's art collectives where they invite all these local artists to come together and I feel like that's what brings each other out and like gives everybody a step up is like meeting somebody else who may need your your art potential for you know a different project and things like that Mm -hmm. so I think just for artists to help artists is like the only way I can think of because not everybody understands what artists goes through or what they need you know they kind of just think Mm -hmm. of them as you know they they make it they make things look nice or they draw these things but they don't understand like how it is to be a starving artist so I feel like artists need to help each other to build build it up build up the community no I love that that's a great answer um and I think that's really important like everybody helping each other out. And it's like, there's enough money and projects out there for everybody to win. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to keep all your secrets to yourself. And if a project's right. not right for you, like, you know, hook another artist friend up and refer that project to somebody else and like keep the, the circle going and helping each other grow, you know, so we're all not stuck in the positions we don't want to be in. So I think that's, that's good advice that you shared. Mm-hmm. Um, one question I forgot to ask that I wanted to ask, um, kind of in relation to like the, the balancing of things, you, do you have like a daily routine, um, that you do every day or is every day different? Like, how do you structure your day so that you do kind of like work on everything you, you have to get done? Um, for me, I actually try not to get in a routine because Mm. I feel like once I'm in a routine, it's going to get stagnant, you know? Like, I feel like being in a routine is what would make me kind of burn out. So for me, I try to, I try to like change things up. Like, like I'll have a time every day where I at least try to be a little bit creative and it'll be a different project all the time. But at least for me, like, I guess the routine is to set aside like a small amount of time to at least be creative generally. Um, like, it doesn't matter what you're making. You could be working on a project or doing, you know, a drawing or something like that, but Mm-hmm. For the most part, like my day is not really routine other than like my nine to five. Everything else is kind of different. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's it's like backwards for most, I feel like. <laughs> no, that's yeah. good. But obviously it's working out for you. So like you're basically saying like you have your nine to five, you wake up, um, whatever, early in the morning. Do you do anything before your nine to five or you just like your, your day starts with your nine to five? Since COVID, I've been uh, working from home. So since I've been working from home, the only thing I've been doing more routinely is like, I'll wake up and like water my plants, because that's something else that I like enjoy besides doing something creative. Um, Mm. And you know, like, make sure you get like a nutritious breakfast, get a workout in if you want to work out, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, just like little simple things here and there um, to like start your day, at least and be and like, it's still being productive, 
before you start yeah. your nine to five. Yeah. So it's like more like productivity. It doesn't have to always be creative. You just have to, you know, do something meaningful. That's cool. So you do your little things in the morning, then you go, you do your work. And then after you get off work, do you, is it from like your list? Like you just look at your list and then you tackle that or do you kind of like, um, have a calendar of like, is there any method to the madness of what happens after work or you kind of just go with the flow of what's on your list? I kind of just go with the flow what's on my list because I don't have like mm-hmm. a specific calendar. Like some people have a calendar where it's like, I have to work on this project at this time. Mm-hmm. Mine is like, cause you know, sometimes that you just get in a mood of being creative or like wanting to make something. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times for me, it's like at night, like after I finish everything, when it's like nothing else to do, I like get a yeah. creative spark or like ideas, you know, like I get all the ideas when I'm like in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. So for me, it's just after work. I, I just, my list is like basic. It's literally just all the things that I have to complete in the month. And mm-hmm. I'll just tackle like here and there what, you know, if, if one of them is like a logo or something, and I know I have to do sketches, that sketch, the sketches might not take as long as like another project I have. So I'll kind of just knock that out, like, you know, here and there, whatever is takes priority over the other. Um, so I keep it really flexible. I just know that I have like the amount of things that I have to finish in the month. Gotcha. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. No, that's good. Good uh, insight and good to see the inside of like how your your day works. I think that could help a lot of people that are listening. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Of course. Um, My last question for you is just, do you have any last parting, you know, tips of advice? Um, And then also what's next for you? Um. So when I moved out of my house to college, my brother told me, surround yourself with people that inspire you and don't be afraid to ask questions. And I always like went back to those two. So I feel like I'll leave the listeners with that also is like surround yourself with what inspires you or like not even just people, but just like things that inspire you generally, like good vibes, you know, like if inspire yourself with like things that are around you. If you see something that inspires you, you'll be more willing to be inspired to be more creative. So, um, no, that's great advice. Yeah. And then what's, what's next for me is really just figuring out more projects. I'll probably do, I want to get back to do uh, more tape art because I feel like this year I've only made like one piece. So, um, I feel like my goal right now is to expand and make like bigger tape pieces and also, um, renovate my our house that we just got because that's like a new project that I've taken on that I'm like falling in love with like home renovation and building stuff that's cool so you'll see a lot more of that stuff like on my Instagram and whatnot so awesome mm-hmm. well that's exciting well I'm gonna have Leia's links and all the things we talked about linked in the show notes and all of that girl thank you so much for joining me and hopping on the podcast I know the Gangstar Creative listeners are super inspired and have taken a lot of value bombs away from this interview so just thank you so much for your time and thank you for being on the show of course thank you for having me if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow gangstar creative i would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of and as a thank you for leaving me a review i'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a gangstar brand pdf and five ways to boost your online sales pdf Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.